This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 455. You're listening to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. This week, we wrap up all the major announcements from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference and we'll tell you when you can install them on your Apple devices. Why spatial audio with Dolby Atmos is a huge deal for the music industry and how much did tablet and computer sales surge during COVID? We'll give you all the figures. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new Sony noise-cancelling earphones. We'll check out the new Logitech Combo Touch for the iPad Pro and what we can expect from Hisense with the release of its new 2021 TV range. And all your tech questions will be answered in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. The Apple Worldwide Developers Conference for the second year in a row was held virtually uh, This because uh, of COVID, of course. Uh, it's been two years since I was in San Jose for for Worldwide Develop Com- Developers Conference. That was in 2019, so 2020, 2021, WWDC, both virtual. I'm expecting to be back there in 2022 when uh, hopefully we're all traveling again and we can have these in-person live events. And the, the Developers Conference is one of those events where the developers of the world, the best in the world, gather in one place. It's a tremendous networking event. Uh, it, it is, for developers, the highlight of their year. Uh, it's a great event to attend because we do get a uh, first-hand look at all the new software updates for iPhone, Apple Watch, iPad, Mac, Apple TV, every Apple product, and with the occasional sprinkling of some new hardware announcements. Unfortunately, this year, no new hardware announcements. It was all about the software, and we're going to get to all the features in a minute. But it it is a tremendous uh, event to attend. San Jose, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, just up the road from Apple's headquarters in Cupertino as well. It does have a tremendous vibe. This uh, it does has a great atmosphere to this this conference, and I think there's a, a lot of developers who will be missing the uh, the in person event, and hopefully next year everyone will be back together again. But let's talk about the features, and we'll kick off with iOS 15. This is the new software coming for the iPhone. This is a follow-up, of course, to iOS 14. I think we're up to iOS 14.6 at the moment, but iOS 15, which will be available for public beta, as with many of the things we're going to talk about in this segment about the Apple updates, they're going to be available for public beta in July. That's just next month, uh, with the final version due for release uh, in, in September. So if you don't want to go on the beta, you have to wait till September. But if you're keen to get, get your hands on it early and report any bugs you may find, then uh, July, next month, keep an eye out. We'll be talking about that on the podcast in a few weeks. But let's talk about the features, and there are a lot of features in common across the OS updates. We're going to share all the major feature of each of the OSs. iOS 15, it's all about FaceTime. The, the first thing they spoke about, which uh, FaceTime, which was used extensively during the pandemic, but also uh, it, it was all about improving the quality. Uh, this was the way a lot of people stayed connected with their loved ones, and having a better quality to FaceTime made the conversations more natural and lifelike. So what's going to happen? They're going to introduce spatial audio, so the voices sound like they're coming directly from the screen, as if it's like someone's actually talking in front of you. 
Uh, and there's also going to have portrait mode. So it does look the uh, the person will be in focus and able to blur their background, like like the very popular uh, photo format on the iPhone, the photo mode. A lot of lot of people love taking portrait selfies now. So uh, that's that's uh, that's coming for iOS 15. The other facet of FaceTime, the other feature is going to be SharePlay. Now this is the ability for you to watch shows and movies and even listen to music together while being connected over FaceTime. So imagine having a little watch party over FaceTime. So you, you can fire up a movie or a t- an episode of a TV show perhaps that you're all waiting to see together and you can be on FaceTime at the same time. And, and with SharePlay, it synchronizes across everyone in the call so that they can, if anyone pauses or, or stops the, the, the content, it stops for everyone. So they, you can watch it exactly at the same time. Now, I should point out that all the people on the call on the FaceTime call, if you, for example, are watching a, a, pro, a content from Apple TV. So Apple TV, you will need an account to access that content. So it's not like you, they're going to go around any kind of content uh, protection here. So unless everyone is on the, on the call, uh, has an account with that particular streaming service, be it Apple TV. I, I understand Disney Plus is going to sign up for this to be a, a compatibility. So it, it, unless they've all got rights to that content, they can't see it. The other interesting development of FaceTime too is the fact that you can now invite Android and Windows users to the FaceTime conversation. And what how you do that is by sending them a link so they can then join the call through a browser. So they can talk to you, see you, on a FaceTime call, but uh, not on their devices, but on a, on a browser. So uh, brings it all into line. Uh, so there you go. Android and, and Windows users can now finally FaceTime or join your FaceTime call. Uh, the other the other thing that the, the focus of the of the a lot of the updates was that very word I just used focus that that, that was uh, one of the features where they, they did talk about how Apple devices and in particular the iPhone do many things for many people they're their communication device entertainment device email internet that they do so much and they are they can be a little overwhelming at times we spoke last week with Dr Joanne Orlando go back to episode 454 to hear that conversation she's written a book about how to handle all the tech and and not letting let it get stressed you out in your life that was a great chat last week if you haven't already heard it but apple recognized the fact that we do a lot with these devices and at times we need to find we need to hunker down and get work done. We need to complete a task or there's a, we're on a deadline. So now there's going to be the ability to find focus. So there will be a menu setting that allows you to uh, only to receive personal notifications or work-related notifications or you're, you, you might be sleeping. So you, you can set that uh, mode on your device as well. And if anyone tries to contact you through iMessage, it will display in the message what your what a user's context will be, whether they're not uh, not to be disturbed or uh, what what their status is, it's automatically displayed to others in the message. So it'll show perhaps that you you perhaps are unavailable right now. You can push through and, and send the notification anyway in the case of an emergency, but if you do try to send it, it'll be probably held up until that mode is changed on that particular iPhone. Um, some other things too, live text. That's now a feature on photos. If you do find some text in an image, you can say, for example, the example I used during the keynote was taking a photo of a whiteboard and all the text on the whiteboard was then able to, you, you're able to cut and paste it out of the photo uh, and, and then text it or email it to someone else. Uh, that uses machine learning and the onboard neural engine of, of the phone to be able to accomplish that. Uh, other also updates to maps that they are they are going to going to be a lot more detailed. So the look around features, three dimensional city driving experiences that's coming as well. Apple Wallet will now support uh, other types of cards, IDs, and even keys. So there last year BMW became the first company to add its car keys to Wallet, so that you can unlock your phone, your your car, your BMW with an iPhone. I'm sure other manufacturers are going to jump on board there. Also going to introduce 
user for hotel room keys. So imagine in the near future, you'll be checking into a hotel and rather than handing you a physical key, they can just add it to your Apple, to your iPhone wallet so that you then like tapping tapping to pay for something with a credit card. You just tap the door lock with uh, uh, the, the key that's in your wallet and it will unlock your door using the built-in NFC as well. Siri, again, will be uh, improved with uh, on-device speech recognition. So now doing things like local things like opening apps and various various uh, things on the device itself, you don't need an internet connection. If it does, if you're asking for, you know, who's the Prime Minister of Paraguay, then it's going to have to go out, uh, wait for your internet connection to come back. But for those things that can be processed on device, like opening an app, turning up the volume, the various things like that, it will do it for you instantly without an internet connection. Uh, some other features, there's going to be uh, improvements to HomeKit, so you can add more devices, store c- uh, cloud content from your security cameras, even sort through it with having various notifications if it recognises packages and people and, and animals and, and in your video. Uh, there's, there's also going to be more accessibility features too for those customers who use features like voiceover uh, and, and people who maybe have, have hearing, hearing difficulties. There are going to be support for new hearing aids as well. So across the board, plenty of features. I've outlined all of them on Tech Guide. Moving on quickly now to iPad OS. And again, what it has in common with with iOS is the focus, is the FaceTime capability. But but the iPad OS 15 is all about multitasking and also creating keyboard shortcuts. So you're able to have a split view, slide over view, so running more apps at the same time, accessing more information at the same time, so uh, able to get more done. They're also going to introduce larger widgets. So what we saw with iOS 14 was the introduction of widgets to the to the per, to the screen. Now you can place even larger widgets on your home pages. So get to to showcase an easier way to access your news, your videos, music, games, photos, and more. That helps you do it as well. App library is also coming to iPad as well, so it can organise your apps into helpful categories and allow access from the dock as well. Quick note: Here's a new feature that's going to be available for iPad OS, Mac OS, and this is the ability for you to just call, to just create a note from anywhere on, on the system, so that you can, whenever it takes, whenever you you have an idea or you need to remember something, you can instantly create a note, and that gets saved with all your other notes, and it is available across all devices thanks to iCloud as well. So you can jot down a thought, add a link, and then arrange them in a way, and even sort them with. Tags to make them easier to categorize and find them when you need it as well. So iPad OS uh, does have uh, some some cool features. Universal control is also coming. That is, I'm going to talk more about that though in the Mac OS because I think you need a Mac for this to to get started. But it, it it just makes working between an iMac and an iPad a little bit easier. Uh, there's also shared with you. This is also with iOS 15. So it's a section now where you can find the article music, TV shows, photos, and other things that are shared with you in messages. Often, have you ever thought, oh, what's that photo that someone sent me? I can't find it. You've got to go back through all the messages and try to remember who sent it to you. Now, there's going to be a section called shared with you. So all that content is going to be in one folder for you to look at straight away. Moving on now to Mac OS Monterey. That's the new name for the Mac OS operating system, Monterey. And it is based after a Californian landmark. We've seen in the past, the most recent was Big Sur. We've had Mojave, El Capitan, High Sierra, Yosemite, Mavericks. These are Californian landmarks. Uh, But Mac OS Monterey is the very last one. It does have the enhanced FaceTime with SharePlay. It does have the focus features as well. It does have the quick note feature as well. But it also does, I, I spoke earlier about universal control. So this is the ability now to work across multiple Apple devices, mainly between a Mac and an iPad. So basically you can use an iPad as a second screen. And this isn't sidecar. This isn't just extending your desktop. This is the ability now to navigate between the device with a single mouse or a single keyboard and even dragging and dropping content back and forth between those devices. So say you've got a MacBook Pro set up and you've got an iPad Pro next to you, 
it'll detect the iPad Pro to, if you move, if the iPad's on your right, you move the mouse to the right, it'll say, hang on a minute, there's an iPad here. It'll create the opportunity for you to move your mouse then to the iPad screen and even allows you to adjust the height of the display so that you can uh, really easily sweep across with your mouse rather than having to sort of come down in an L shape to that other screen. It is like anyone who's ever configured multiple displays on a Mac. It does allow you to configure that quite quite uh, pretty uh, exactly. So uh, it's pretty exact how you can do it. That's also a feature of universal control as well. The biggest improvement you're going to see, not just on the Mac though, and across any device that has Safari, uh, the browser really has been reimagined. So that you're getting a new tab design. So you're seeing more of the pages and less of the actual tabs. The tab bar can now combine tabs. So if you're looking at multiple pages of a particular thing, like whether you're shopping for something or researching something, you can now group all these tabs together and then call them up, uh, save them and, and go back to them to see all those sites that you want to look at. And th those tab groups can also be synced across the Mac, iPhone and iPad as well. Um, there's uh, shortcuts is also coming to the Mac. This is a feature that was mainly seen on iPad and I iOS. So this will be able to help automate everyday tasks. So just like on the iPhone and iPad, you can accomplish tasks that, that you use the most. And there's a rich gallery of preloaded actions designed just for the Mac. So you'll be able to do a lot, automate a lot of these processes that, that, you, uh, that you have to, or tasks that you have to complete. Uh, quick note I mentioned was a part of iPadOS. That's also going to be part of the Mac OS Monterey setup as well. Uh, and AirPlay is coming to Mac also. AirPlay, normally we have to use AirPlay to, to stream something to an Apple TV. Now you'll be able to stream from your iPad or phone, iPhone, straight to your Mac's retina display. So you'll be able to see stuff on your device, on your iMac or MacBook from your phone. So AirPlay to Mac is another feature. Uh, moving along, we're going to talk about Watch OS 8. This is the new software update. And again, all these will be available. We're pretty sure, or, uh, I'm not sure about Watch OS 8, but definitely Monterey, iPad OS 15, and iOS 15, July beta with a September release date. No word on whether Watch OS is going to be offered as a public beta. It normally isn't. So I'm not sure whether that's going to change this year. I will keep, it, keep you informed, though, if that does change. Watch OS 8 is going to have that wallet improvement. So remember the hotel room key on your iPhone? Well, it's going to be on your watch as well. So I'm sure those who, and I love paying for stuff on my Apple Watch, I don't have to get my wallet out of my pocket. So this is going to be a feature for that as well, as well as the key, the car key. So if your car has a, a, a wallet compatible key, if you're driving a Beamer or one of these new cars that's going to have a, a wallet key in it, then your Apple Watch can unlock your, unlock your car, start the car, do all those kinds of things as well as allow you to open your hotel room door. You'll also now be able to receive notifications from products like digital doorbell, so connected doorbell like the Arlo or the Ring doorbell. You'll be able to actually see the video on your Apple Watch and talk to whoever's at the door. That's another improvement. Uh, the home app has also been redesigned, so uh, you can control a lot more accessories and have the ability to set up various scenarios as well from the Apple Watch. There's also a, a, a new sleeping respiratory rate uh, monitor. So while you're sleeping, it tracks your sleeping respiratory rate. And this is the number of breaths per minute with Apple Watch as well. It uses the built-in accelerometer to measure the, your respiratory rate. That's how sensitive it is. It uses the accelerometer to, to measure that. They're also going to introduce portrait watch faces. So portrait mode is very popular. The photos normally look fantastic when you're taking any portrait mode. Or not, not normally, most of the time, or almost always. And so a lot of people would like to use that portrait. And portrait only works if you're photographing your child, although it does work with my dogs. I've done it a couple of times. Not, not just a child, sorry, a person. Uh, and, and I have done it with my dogs as well. So portrait with a person or a pet, you can now make that your watch face if you want to. There's also new workout types too if you love training with your Apple Watch. Tai Chi and Pilates are the new Apple Watch modes to keep an eye out for. The other improvements, uh, we've, we've covered most of the major announcements in terms of the individual OSs, but there were there's two other little things I want to mention. One is uh, some new health features. 
Health is a big deal, I think, when it comes. Apple very much providing health information through your Apple Watch, through your, through your iPhone, and uh, they are going to add some some new features. One one is health sharing. So imagine being able to, uh, if someone gives you permission to have their data, their health data shared. So you, you might know someone perhaps with a heart condition, so you get their heart rate information, their, their, that data. Uh, you, you might have, uh, there's someone who might, might have Parkinson's. You want to be able to monitor to their mobility uh, as well. So these are features that are going to be introduced also. Uh, And on the privacy side, Apple, again, very much uh, priding themselves on creating even even greater privacy and protection for customers as well. Again, it's going to be really – they've created almost like a VPN-type way to conceal what data comes in and out of your browser they're also going to block the ability for people to uh, monitor whether you when you open emails so that they can't fingerprint you so if they people can find out your ip address through through an email so if they find the same ip address going to sites and various things it's very it's very easy and that process is called to fingerprint someone so that is is going to be uh, also something that's going to be blocked in the in the next version of Mac OS Monterey and all all uh, connections through Safari and email moving forward across all the Apple devices. And as I said, so the uh, there will be a, the availability of uh, these public betas from July. So iOS, I, iPad OS, Mac OS Monterey definitely. Apple Watch OS, not sure about that, but we'll keep you informed. If you want to find out more about all of those features, I only sort of scratched the surface of all the major features of all those those OS updates. No hardware updates. I'm sorry, but just the software. But if you want to find out more, you can check it all out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, if you love listening to your music, uh, that is all about to change and because you're going to be able to enjoy your music in a different way. And this is now, uh, this is now on Apple Music, Spatial Audio with Dolby Atmos. That's now part of Apple Music, but expect it to be on Spotify and all these other streaming services in the coming months because this is kind of the next big thing for the music industry. Not only are they, have they introduced spatial audio on Apple Music, but they've also introduced lossless audio. And what that means is that lossless audio, you're getting all of the file. I liken it to when, uh, say that you've got a standard definition TV, that'd be the lowest version of a, of a movie you can watch. But then we move up to high definition, and that that's more pixels, so higher bit rate, better quality. And then if you want to go 8K, that's even better again. So apply that apply that logic to a song. The more information, the bigger the file, the more bits, the more hertz, the better the music. So it's it's going to be now offered as lossless, which means no loss to the way it was recorded so that users, listeners, can hear that pure audio exactly as it was recorded. And if you've got a, a good pair of headphones that can handle high-res audio, lossless audio, then you're going to really hear the difference. But spatial audio is something else altogether. This is, this is uh, not only, well, it's not really a quality improvement, it's a delivery improvement. So how we listen to music today, you've got, we've only got two ears, left and right, and that's how music was recorded, left and right. Back in the day, it was mono, then we went to stereo, so left and right separation, and now with the introduction of spatial audio with Dolby Atmos, now it's going to be more than just directional sound. It's going to be like sounds coming from around you, above you. Anyone who's ever had listened to Dolby Atmos, whether it's in a theatre, at home, if they've got a sound bar or a TV that can handle Dolby Atmos, they normally, the experience is that the sound doesn't just come from left and right. It comes from behind you, above you, like dropping down on you, coming to coming towards you 
they, that's the difference that Dolby Atmos offers. So now apply that to music. Instead of there just being uh, the 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 one of the one of the instruments coming from your left ear and something else the right, and then everything, and then some instruments coming through both. Imagine now a more fuller and richer sound where there are more choices to to deliver that music to you. So it does have that atmos that and atmos is short for atmosphere. So it does have that atmospheric effect rather than it, I. I described Atmos to people as like sitting in a rainforest and hearing every sound coming from every direction. It doesn't just come to the left, to the right, and that's it. It comes from all directions. So now imagine your music coming from all directions. And what Apple's introduced are existing tracks with spatial audio. So they've gone in and mixed them again so that they come to you with spatial audio. But imagine moving forward, musicians now, artists have this at their disposal. So they are going to create music in this format. So it's going to, I think we're in for, this This is, this is as I said at the top, it's a big deal for the music industry. This is going to be a new way of, of creativity, a new way of delivering the audio, the music to you. They want to give you an experience rather than just the song. I think that, that you're going to hear a lot of this moving forward. And and it is the, the you don't need any special headphones for the spatial audio. It works with any pair of headphones. Apple naturally said it worked with AirPods, AirPods Max, AirPods Pro, but any headphones will it will work. Uh, it, it will create that that same impression. Some will work better than others, of course, but it will work. You will hear a difference no matter what type of headphones you use. Lossless audio, on the other hand, uh, it, which is going to be applied, by the way, to every song in the Apple catalogue. So it is going to be more data if you're streaming the music. The song's going to be bigger. So you are going to use more data if you want to choose lossless. You can turn this off and on in the Apple, in the iPhone settings if you don't want to use that extra data, if you're happy with the quality you've got right now. Uh, so that is that choice. You could also turn on the spatial audio in the settings as well. And I imagine that will be slightly more data as well for those particular songs. But I'll put all the instructions on how you can t- switch it on in the settings on Tech Guide. But it's uh, if you're into your music, this is going to be a really cool and exciting way to hear some of your favorite music. Spatial audio with Apple on Apple Music with Dolby Atmos. If you want to find out more check it out at techguide.com.au well moving along we're talking about tablets and computers and i'm sure those of you listening right now probably went out and bought yourself a new tablet a computer because in 2020 what happened well, there was a little pandemic. Uh, a lot of people were working from home instead of in the office. So that forced a lot of us to shift away from the office where we had all our gear there now to working from home, remote learning. But all, on top of all that, we still wanted to keep ourselves entertained. So uh, a lot of us decided, you know what, we need, we need a better setup. We need better, a better laptop. We need a better tablet. And we also needed better computer accessories. So things like keyboards and monitors and, and all that. You, you, you find Trying to find a keyboard and uh, at JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman during the pandemic, it was easier to buy toilet paper at the height of the pandemic than it was to buy a keyboard or a mouse. They were sold out everywhere because everyone had the same idea. They got to work from home. They wanted to set up. They wanted to designate a space or a room. Uh, 38% of us did that according to the Telsite research. And uh, 31% wanted faster internet, 22% wanted additional monitors, 21% went out and bought ergonomic chairs, but it was the computer and tablet sales that really took off. 12% rise for tablets, 14% rise for computers, according to this research by Telsite. Uh, So Apple still, though, remained at the top of the list in terms of the tablet market. More than half of tablets sold in 2020 were iPads, and that's an increase of 14% on last year. But the research also showed that the the tablet replacement cycle was also thriving, fueled by the pandemic. Uh, Customers found that they wanted to spend a bit more on their products 
they were spending more time at home, but they needed a better tablet or a better laptop. The top three tablet vendors in in total, they were Apple, Samsung, and Microsoft, combined sales of 85% of the market. And what we did find though that was they were spending more because we wanted better features. Customers uh, increased their spend by nearly six percent year on year to around eight hundred and fifty dollars on average on a tablet in twenty twenty. So the demand for increased performance, and there was also too a preference for two in ones over just the traditional traditional tablet two in one. Uh, that that's what people were going for, like the Surface Pro, iPad Pro. Uh, PC also had a had a rise as well in twenty twenty. Sixty seven percent of sales were notebooks. That's a three percent increase from twenty twenty as we continue to favour the laptop over the desktop. That's nothing new, but this this took it even further. And just like tablets, the average cost of computers, we also increased by 14% to more than $1,200 on average because we wanted better performance, bigger screens. Uh, so that, that that's what we had to do. And and, and that this is what, what pushed forward. What, what we saw, Apple Mac sales increased by 16% in 2020. And that was driven, remember the last, late last year, they introduced the M1 processor, the system on a chip that that's what helped drive apple mac sales but still windows computers dominated they enjoyed double digit growth with an increase of 14 percent and of all the computers sold in australia in 2020 84 percent were windows based devices and of course when it came to entertainment our computers were still our primary device as were the tablets but uh more than uh, we also love to play games as well the the telsite research showed that more than six million australians played games on computers in 2020 as well which was an increase of 13 percent from the previous year they the study also found that 80 percent of tablets sold in 2020 were two-in-ones as i mentioned an increase from from 59% the year before. Now, this is due to the fact that more tablets being released have specifically designed keyboards. So you think about it, the Apple uh, Apple iPad 8th generation has a keyboard, the iPad Air 4th generation, Samsung's Galaxy Tab S7 and S7 Plus, and the Microsoft Surface Pro X, all premiums, all with keyboards, premium Windows 2-in-1s have been supporting business education and other industry-specific applications in the same way a Windows laptop would. So that's why those sales increased. So a big year if you're into your tablets and computers. Uh, tech companies did very well during that time. A, a solid increase across the board, and that's all thanks to COVID. If you want to read more of those results, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off our reviews this week, we are talking about the Sony WF-1000XM4. These are their truly wireless headphones. Uh, They're actually earphones, but Sony called them truly wireless headphones. But I'm going to refer to them from now on as earphones. And these are an amazing improvement over the previous year. Cast your mind back to the XM3s, the earphones. They were quite large, and I think not the their quality wasn't in question. The uh, the music quality, the quality of noise cancellation was incredible. But in terms of size, they were a bit on the on the large side. But this year, I think Sony's got the message. They've really 
shrunk down these earphones to be about four. The, the case itself is actually forty percent smaller than the previous. The actual wireless uh, headphones, the earphones, ten percent smaller than the previous model. So the, the the size has dramatically been reduced. But the good news is the quality is still there. In fact, the quality is even better. As is the noise cancellation. These headphones have an IPX4 water resistance rating, so they can handle the splashes and the sweat. So no need to worry if you're in the gym or in the rain, they are going to handle it. They've been molded to the to a shape so that apparently Sony did this worldwide uh, data, this re- research of uh, data in relation to ear shapes and sizes from around the world, and the uh, design reflects that. So they are a bit more of a bulbous design, and I think um, they fit my ears perfectly. But I reckon they might be too big for some users. They, they, my only downside of this is that they may sl- be slightly chunky for some some listeners. The um, that they may be just a bit too big. But anyway, uh, there are different ear tips though, so you can prove have an improved fit if you have to. That also provides another layer of noise isolation. The uh, the the fit that fit contributes to that noise cancellation, and I have to say. The noise cancellation performance is uh, it uses actually less power than the pre- its predecessor, so battery levels improved. I'll talk about that in a minute, but they've still managed to fit a six millimeter driver with a twenty percent increase in magnet volume. So uh, smaller yet better. That's it's incredible. The newly designed integrated processor V1 does all the heavy lifting when it comes to providing that better noise cancellation, though. So it's developed in house by Sony, and what it does. It has dual noise sensor microphones per ear to analyze the ambient sound and then apply the highly accurate noise cancellation for this amazing listening experience. The noise cancellation is so impressive. I don't. I haven't heard better noise cancellation. Sony have always been good at that, and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of customers have uh, have rep- responded because not only do they provide fantastic audio quality, but also that noise cancellation as well. That helps add to the quality as well. Uh, it really makes the outside world just disappear. We, that, that, that's what a lot of people want, and you can imagine well, people are hanging out to travel again on, on those long trips overseas. These are going to be one of the first devices that they're going to reach for. The other good point about this too, the noise cancellation, it can also detect a windy environment. So it'll cancel that out as well. So wind can really play havoc with earphones. But now with the it, it can detect a windy environment and really cut it down. You'll be completely focused on whatever you're listening to. Uh, the earphones support high-resolution audio thanks to the, uh, the built-in LDAC. That's uh, Sony's very own audio coding technology there, and it helps transmit three times more data than than conventional Bluetooth audio. So you can still get that high res from source to your ears, even though it's Bluetooth, you're still getting that high res audio. It is still possible even without a wireless connection. So you're getting the same quality to that of having a wired connection, which is really important, especially we were talking earlier about spatial audio, lossless audio. This is now a possibility through Bluetooth, and Sony does a brilliant job here. The 6mm drivers really punch above their weight too. They produce this amazing sound. They've got uh, really rich bass output as well. And there's also the the V1 integrated processor also reduces any distortion, even at full volume. These things are crystal clear, really defined, really nice. There's also two on phone calls. I, I get a lot of people ask me about headphones and the phone call quality. These Sony's are really good. They've, they've got uh, really good call quality. It does use that noise cancellation as well, so you can be heard quite easily. So the the microphones that do focus on on they they're waiting for something to come from. The the vicinity of your mouth to pick it up, so uh, you can easily you can easily be heard and quite clearly as well. They do also have some smart features, including speak to chat, which was introduced on last year's headphones. So when you're wearing them, and if you start talking, the music will cut out immediately, so you can talk to whoever's come up to talk to you, and you can respond to them, of course. And then 15 seconds later, the music resumes. One downside of this: you can't be singing the song. If you start singing out loud, 
it's going to cut out the music. You'll be singing by yourself. So maybe keep keep there. Maybe not sing to yourself because the uh, or, or turn the speak to chat feature off if you did want to do that. Um, the I mentioned the phone call quality is really cool. Also, the companion app does uh, does a few things. Also, one of the features of the companion app it does do a little test on your earbud, so it can test which is the right uh, earbud tip to use to give you the best quiet the best air tightness they call it of the earbud uh talking let's talk about the case and the case is much much smaller than last year's there's a photo of them side by side actually on tech guide i'd love you to see it uh they they it, it does still provide up to 20 hours of battery life so on one charge right so one charge eight hours of battery life in the earphones themselves and uh, so if you, the, the charging case, sorry, now the charging case gives you a further 16 hours. So all up, you can have 24 hours of playback when with a fully charged case and fully charged earphones. Eight hours just on the earphones. That is really, really cool. That's a long time. And if you forget to charge one time, quick five-minute charge can give you up to an hour of playback. That That's a handy feature also. The case, by the way, can also be wirelessly charged. It could sit on a Qi charging mat uh, as you would put on a phone on there. So uh, you want to charge wirelessly, you can do that as well. The Sony WF-1000XM4s, fantastic earphones available in black or platinum silver. They're not out till July, but I've had them for a while, and our review is up at techguide.com.au. Moving right along, our next product we're going to talk about is the Logitech Combo Touch. Now, this is an accessory for the new iPad Pro 11-inch and 12.9-inch. In fact, it will work with the 11-inch uh, generation 1, 2, and 3 of the 11-inch model. That hasn't changed in in terms of thickness. So first, second, and third generation of 11-inch iPad Pro. Uh, but the latest generation of iPad Pro, the fifth generation, the 12.9 Combo Touch will only work with the very latest iPad Pro combination because it had it's got it's slightly thicker because it's got the new mini LED display. That's that's the difference there. But this is a combo of a case and a detachable keyboard. So whether you're typing, sketching, or just watching the iPad Pro, the Logitech Combo Touch has got you covered. Two pieces to the combo: a case so that uh, has a little kickstand at the back, and also a detachable keyboard. But it connects to the iPad via the smart connector. You know those three little dots on the bottom there. That means no need for a battery, no on-off switch, no Bluetooth pairing, and no need to charge it. It just is connected and it works. It draws the power from the iPad itself. Backlit keyboard, so it's got 16 levels of brightness that are adjustable depending on what you're doing and where you're doing it. Plus it has a trackpad, so you can then not only move the little cursor around the screen, but it also responds to, you can use that trackpad for gesture control as well. There are some gestures in some apps on iPad OS that you can still access through the trackpad rather than actually touching the screen itself. Uh, full-size keyboard at your fingertips, large trackpad that I've mentioned already, highly responsive, by the way. The trackpad is really cool, very accurate. And the case itself, no, no, it it protects the iPad as well. So it wraps around it, built-in kickstand, and it can be adjusted at various angles depending on what you want to do. So when you're typing, this, you can stand the uh, the the stand can angle the iPad Pro at a steeper angle so you can get a comfortable view while typing. Uh, but if you want to maybe rest it at a at a lower angle, maybe you might be reading or sketching. You can also rest it quite low as well. Uh, so th- that depending on what you're doing, the combo has got you covered with that the, the kickstand and the detachable keyboard as well. So if you want to kick back with a movie, maybe take off the keyboard you still have the case with the kickstand and then you can set it up how you want so if you want to enjoy your video content uh, whatever you want to do if you want to read it's got you covered there as well. There is room, of course, to so that you can hear the speakers. You can still attach the USB-C cord to, to charge the iPad. You can also, there's space on top to rest your Apple Pencil because that not only charges the pencil, but also that's where you can store the Apple Pencil as well through that little magnet on top uh, and has access to all the volume controls. Of course, the camera does peek through the back as well. So it's a two-piece combo touch. Uh, allows you to get your work done and while still protecting 
protecting the iPad and looking good doing it. It's got this new, this Oxford grey, this this more fabric feel to it and look as well. It is quite smart and uh, is is available for the latest iPad Pro models. The iPad, the, the combo touch for the 11 inch, that's $299.95. The combo touch for the 12.9 inch is uh, the is $349.95, which is still a bit cheaper, a lot cheaper than Apple's own Magic Keyboard. So people might think, geez, that's expensive, but it's actually a lot cheaper. Like the, Ma- the Magic Keyboard for the iPad Pro 12 inch is like 550 bucks. So you're still, you're saving, you're, you're still getting a great keyboard, great way to interact with the device and be productive and all of that on the move, but it's not as expensive as Apple's own accessories. You want to see the Logitech Combo Touch up close, we've got our story and our pictures. You can see them both at techguide.com.au. Hisense is the latest TV company that has announced its pricing for its 4K and 8K 2021 televisions. They're, they are now in store. So the Hisense TVs range from the entry-level 43-inch UHD A7G, that's $899, all the way up to the 75-inch U90G ULED 8K Mini LED TV, and that's a cool $7,999. The uh, 8K TVs... They are the the mini LED 8K. There's only one model. It's available in 75 inch. That's that 7,999 model that I just mentioned. But there are 8K TVs that are not mini LED. That are the ULED. So there's there's ULED mini LED 8K, and then there's just ULED 8K. And that they're available in the the ULED AK is 65, 75, and 85 inch, and those prices are four triple nine, six triple nine, and nine triple nine. So five thousand, seven thousand, and ten thousand. Let's call it for the 65, 75, and 85 inch respectively. The the biggest ULED 4K mini LEDs is the 75 inch. There's also a 65 inch mini LED 4K. ULED model. I've put all, all this is on a chart, by the way, on Tech Guide. If you want to see it for yourself, uh, 70, 65 and seventy-five inch for the four K mini LED TVs. Uh, there's also the regular ULED TV without the mini LED. So this is four K normal ULED, which are I think these are going to be kind of the bread and butter models here. So not mini LED, still four K. But 55, 65, 75, and 85 inches. The 85 inch TV, this is a 2021 ULED 4K TV, 5,499. I think that's a lot of people will be aiming at that kind of price point, that kind of size. 75 inch, which I reckon is going to be the new, the new normal this year, is the three is three thousand two hundred and ninety nine dollars. That's a seventy five inch four K ULED TV as well. They do have cheaper. So that was the U eight G. They've got the U seven G, which is a seventy five inch TV. And and the differences here in some of these models is not only the type of display, but also some of the features in terms of HDR and the, and the quality of HDR. Or, or the, there are subtle differences between them. You can see them all on Tech Guide as well. Uh, the other the other improvements uh, the, to talk about here is also to do with gaming. If you're into gaming, all the TV companies have recognised that gamers are, are very, very popular. Gamers love playing games. We use our TVs to play our games. And the companies, including Hisense, have responded with features that make that even better. So it's a better experience. Not only are you getting 4K, 8K, Dolby Vision, HDR, Dolby Atmos Sound, that's all on board. But with the gaming, you're getting features like variable refresh rates and auto low latency mode. So that's part of the game mode so that in in VRR, so that's the virtual refresh, variable refresh rate, as its name suggests, it means the TV can match the refresh rate from to the frame rate of the game's output. So what you're not getting here, when the rates don't match, you get what they call screen tearing. So the you see these jagged lines, these sort of lo- looks like tearing uh, on on the on the in the graphics as the TV and the console try to match up their frame rate. The other thing you get too is auto low latency mode. This can detect and switch to a low lag gaming preset 
when the signal from the console is detected. So that lag, that could mean the difference between winning and losing in your game. So you don't want that. Lag is bad. You don't want that at all. Hisense TVs also include Google Assistant functionality or Amazon Alexa, depending on what, what you want to use. They also have their proprietary VDAR operating system. That's V-I-D-A-A. And that's actually been pumped up uh, the processing power. So they're much faster, more responsive. Uh, 20% improvement over last year's models as well. So you are getting uh, things like show recommendations on Netflix and all the where, wherever you mouse over uh, whatever application you mouse over say say you put the you move along and Netflix pops up it gives you instantly some Netflix recommendations it remembers the last show you're watching all things like that so you can get to your content even faster uh, with that improvement but the high sense range are now on sale the only I think everything's in store they said from June the only pricing we haven't got are the ULED 4k mini LED TV that's a 65 and 75 inch but you can see all the pricing of all those tvs and all the sizes at techguide.com.au this is tech guide with stephen fennec the tech guide podcast is proudly supported by netgear they're australia's number one wi-fi brand is your wi-fi struggling to keep up with your streaming work gaming video calling and more and what happens if you're doing all of that at once when you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at Netgear com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. If you're after cables, speakers, batteries, you name it, or something to hold your AirTag, Belkin sell those as well, belkin.com forward slash AU. I do get this question a lot about NBN modems, and a lot of people ask, can I move them? Uh, is it possible to move the modem? Not always possible to move it from one room to another because there's, there's probably a, a, an outlet in that particular room. But I do get the question a lot when the modem has been placed on the floor, for example. Can I, they move it to a shelf or maybe to the middle of that room? The answer is yes. As long as you could reconnect the modem exactly as it was so that it, it is operating the right way, you can move it off the floor. I get that question a lot. They just a lot of people assume that it's on the floor. You can't move it. Yeah, you can move it. Put it on a desktop, on a shelf, somewhere where it's a bit more accessible, a bit more comfortable to to use it. But yes, you can move it. That's the bottom line. The other the other bugbear that I get is that uh, a lot of the NBN when there's an installation, they normally find the first port of entry, first port in your home, the first point of entry. Uh, in your house which is usually at the very front of your house they un unless you do a deal with your internet service provider when the nbn connects you they normally the first possible and closest location is where they're going to put the connection and oftentimes that's not ideal because i've heard of some cases where it's in the front bedroom or in the garage or something where it's called really close to the front of the house and then the ensuing problem is then that the Wi-Fi is, is is rubbish at the back end of the house. And then there's a need then to buy a mesh Wi-Fi system like the Netgear Orbi, for example, to then give you respectable Wi-Fi throughout your house. So it's the modem is fine. That's we're operating great. But the position of that modem means the Wi-Fi, which which route when the Wi-Fi with included NBN routers is rubbish. So it's not going to give you much range from where it is. That's why you probably need to improve that. But in terms of moving it if you can move it perhaps you might if you want to move it more to the center of your house you probably have to contact your internet service provider that might be a fee to do that or if you know an electrician maybe that you can give them some cash and, and help them move it for you but in terms of moving it off the floor onto a shelf or onto a desk yes you can i'm surprised how many times i'm, I'm asked that yes you can move it and make sure and that that'll keep your connection going uh, but also give you peace of mind that actually uh, yes you can move it off the floor onto a shelf in a more convenient place
And that's the end of the show for this week. If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about, you can find it at techguide.com.au. Pictures and diagrams and price lists, you name it, it's on Tech Guide if we've spoken about it today. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us as well, please send us an email, info at techguide.com.au or easiest thing, hit the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side of the, of the page and that will get an email to me. And you could end up on the Tech Guide help desk. Who knows? We want to thank our sponsors as well. Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs. And also give a shout out to Norton. That's the company that can keep you and your family and your devices safe online. Please support the companies that support the Tech Guide podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. <laughs>